What's going on, guys? It's your boy Player X here with the Semi Limited Podcast. In for another installment. As usual, just want to give a thanks to all the viewers and listeners out there for whether it be tuning in, whether you're showing support to the social sites, whether you're commenting on all the material and all the content. Bro, we, we love you guys. Thank you so much for showing so much support to the podcast and our adventures. And we just want to appreciate you guys for a quick second and show some love back to you guys for showing it so much to us. And we do have a quick little episode for the weekend for you guys. I brought in another local guest for you guys just to have a different perspective for the uh, episode for today. Uh, But before we get into that, I just want to go over all these highlights that we usually go over before every episode. So please make sure to go down to that link tree link in the description box below. Uh, You can click on that link. It'll bring up a tab with all of our social sites to follow, whether it be the spotify for the podcast whether it be youtube to listen to the podcast or any of our other deck profiles and content that we got over there our our instagram which we dump a whole bunch of memes on courtesy of david felton which we'll have to get him back into that more he's been slacking a little bit or even if it's our tiktok where we have our youtube shorts uh go up on there and whatnot so be sure to click all and follow all those sites we will be doing another giveaway when we hit 50 followers on Twitter slash X or on uh, TikTok. I think we have like 20 TikTok followers and like 47 or 48 X followers. So be sure to tell your friends to go follow those. So I'm tired of fucking talking about it. And then we also have 100 followers on Instagram and 100 followers or subscribers on YouTube. We will also be doing another giveaway. So that's guys, that's four potential giveaways for you guys. And all it costs is a couple clicks of a button. And I'm talking about... We'll be giving away some play set of cards, maybe even a high rarity card. You never know. Uh, we can have some merchandise for the podcast, whether it be a hoodie, a shirt, a little pin. We can have accessories for you guys, like deck boxes, mats, card sleeves, whatever you guys want. Be sure to let us know, and we can always keep some stuff in stock for you guys just to make sure that when you guys request it, we got it on hand for you. And then while you guys are down there in that description box, be sure to go to the uh, Discord server for Unplugged Gaming. They're out there in Mainly New York, so shout outs to them. Uh, they for, are a big sponsor of the podcast, so be sure to go join their Discord server and be a part of all their TCG communities. When you join up, you can see things like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic the Gathering, One Piece, Digimon, Lorcana, whatever the, the game you guys want to play is, you can guys go down there. Click on any of those um, tabs and then join those communities and start chit-chatting, start trading, start getting your game plan on. And if you guys do show up in the store, Unplug Gaming in Manly's New York, be sure to tell Joe that the boys over at Semi-Limited sent you. They'll definitely be sure to hook you guys up over there. And then again, be sure to catch Brad, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect, uh, live streaming on Twitch every Saturday night. Later on tonight, if you guys are listening today, on the day of dropping, you guys will be uh, linked into his Twitch So he usually streams around 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time if you're in the United States. Uh, If you're anywhere else, just be sure to check where the uh, time zone are for you. And then compare it to that. His Switch will be also in the Linktree link down below. You can click on that and join it as well. And he usually does things like deck profiles, anything from deck testing, deck theory, communicating with his uh, chat, or doing anything that's uh, random Yu-Gi-Oh related. So be sure to interact with him on his streams on 11 p.m. on Saturday nights. And if he finds anything interesting on his stream, he always reports back to me so we can do the wrap-up Friday. And before we get into it, I just want to introduce our guest for today. It's another local legend. He's been playing in the Syracuse area for quite some time. Uh, The old heads know him. The young guys love him. uh, And... I actually don't mind him that much. He does get a little bit annoying, but you know, that's a different uh, discussion. I want you guys to give a big, warm, local welcome to our man, Jake Curtis. 
Yeah, we're doing all right today. Any shout outs or anything like that or any plugins you want to make before we get into today's episode, Jake? Nah, it's mostly the local community. I mean, shout out to all of you guys, you know, for making me still love the game after all this time. I think it's been 20 years almost since I started playing. Yeah, 20 years in <laughs> this game. Yeah, he old as fuck. <laughs> I've been playing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that old. I'm 31. I mean, I've been playing since I was 11. You know, most kids... Nowadays, they start at that age, but I didn't have Dragon Duels back then. Yeah, you were playing with the big boys back then. Simple as that. You had to get good, Scrub. (laughs) Yep, get good or you're out. (laughs) Really, how I actually started playing was actually one of the starter deck Yugi's and Joey's from Walmart. That's actually how I started playing. Oh, so you, you played with the OG's. Yes, this is OGs. I wish I kept them all. Did you have anyone else you guys used to play with at a local level? Or did you just kind of go to Walmart, grab those, and kind of play by yourself or maybe solitaire or something like that? So mostly at first, how uh, I started playing was a couple couple of friends through school. Um, and then when I started playing with them in school, you know, bringing your Yugi Moto structure deck over here to school in the cafeteria playing in the lunchroom with all your little cards wrapped in a rubber rubber banner and a baggie yep yep that's that's pretty much how we started playing we just whip them out and then just start playing did you always have like an interest to to get better or did you just like to play the game itself like you just enjoyed the show maybe or thought the cards were cool or did you actually like oh this is a game i can see myself playing for the next 20 years oh no 100 percent. i was watching the show um you know, the show really put, um, let's see, a fire under me in that sense because 9.30, Saturday morning, WB was the Yu-Gi-Oh slot, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, it was. It was for that, a fact. And sometimes they did the double plays. Exactly. And back-to-back episodes, that was awesome. Um, that's essentially how I got my start to, you know, wanting to get better. And then when I think Battle City was it the tournament that's when i started to fully you know hey i want to go to the tournaments and everything i want to be like joey wheeler <laughs> weevil, was, weevil, weevil was the best one you know you like weevil you were a weevil fan i liked weevil because he was antagonist no you like weevil because he's a fucking troll that's why <laughs> well, you can say goodbye to exodia too someday <laughs> Yeah, right. Speaking of which, shout out to uh, Kevin over at Heart of the Podcast for getting Exodia FTK'd at the regional. Haven't seen that shit in a while. Maybe some, maybe <laughs> yeah, someone should have thrown that guy's Exodia. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it right out the window. So uh, I think what set would you have considered yourself to be like, um, quote unquote, uh, like a com- competitive player? Like what cards came out or what deck were you using this to be like, you know what? I want to get better at this game. This is like the deck I want to use. Like, I want to take it to the next level. And you start thinking of yourself as more of a competitive player than more of a casual player. I would say Labyrinth of Nightmare um, was the big one. When Magic Cylinders got released, that's when I started, you know, to really go competitive and actually see what was going on. You know, in that sense, with my first... My first tournament, I remember, I brought, I brought Skull Lair with Gren Maju. It was my first. You were Gren Maju Skull Lair. Jesus Christ. 
Yes, this was a while ago. Like, like I was saying, uh, Labyrinth of Nightmares was the set uh, that I wanted to get better. And that's it. You stopped playing casual. So you were out here using cards like Soul Release back in the OG days. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do not know some of the techs in that deck. Are any of them still relevant in the Grand Maju deck today? Uh, I don't. Do they still play Fiend Comedian? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fiend Comedian. That that was actually a card that was actually pretty funny. Uh, because you run a sixty card Grand Maju pile, if I remember it. And you just flip a coin, you call it wrong, you banish your opponent's graveyard, you have soul release up, you gain five hundred, you call it right, you start milling monsters. Right, and then after that, you just normal Grand Maju, and here you go. Yeah, pretty much. So going from uh, formats back like Grand Maju or the Labyrinth of Nightmare format, and then now we fast forward to 2023, and we got games that definitely end on the first turn. Uh, FTK is all about, you know what I'm saying? Now we got combo decks spitting out six to eight negates in one turn. So do you think that... um? The, pro the progress or the progression of Yu-Gi-Oh is actually good? Or you think that we're moving too fast for uh, a player such as yourself? I mean, the game's evolving. So to get better any in, in my spec, you have to adapt to everything. If you don't adapt to, you know, things that are going on around you, then you're not going to get better in any sense. It's in life too. You, you can see it as a... If when things are changing and you're still staying at the same line, there's only one way to do anything. You have to get better and adapt to everything. No, I agree. I, I also think that Yu-Gi-Oh is such a, a good game that it is applicable to life. You can there's a lot of things as far as like reading up an opponent, making a move like they are sorry, being able to look at your opponent and pick up on certain mannerisms and stuff that will be able to lead you to um maneuvering the waters on how to build a board or establish a board or even break a board and i think that you can carry that over into life as well like when you're seeing someone who if you're let's say having a conversation with someone and like their eyes twitching or they're like moving up their they're scratching their hand or something like that you can tell that sometimes they're trying to hide something or they got something up their sleeve just because when you play Yu-Gi-Oh and you know they're scoffing or they look up or even like the way that people hand shuffle you can kind of tell or give an idea as far as like how good someone's hand is so yeah 100 percent, i agree that you can definitely take some of the skills that you learn in Yu-Gi-Oh and transfer them into life as well not even just things like that but like preparation deck building gets you onto the uh idea of like planning ahead of time planning for accounting for everything in a format uh and even things like side decking or being able to uh find something that will be able to kind of like put a big net out to help with uh assisting your deck like all those things take uh intellect and skill and i think that you can transfer those things into anything in life whether it be uh your relationships with friends uh how you go about your job and stuff like that so yeah i can 100 percent agree with that yeah and just to top off on that is like some of your skill sets as well you know in life they actually adapt to that like when you say like reading a people uh, reading people uh, in that sense, you know, whether they do something, uh, you can use it in, in life too as a customer service. Like, you know, if you do that, you see what they're doing, they're giving off something, you know, they're, the way they're reacting to certain things that you're doing, uh, you can easily tell that and that's how you can, you know, it's more of an advantage for you 
in that sense. Uh, yeah. It's not like cheating because you're not really breaking the rules. You're just using your your brain in that sense. Yeah, you're just applying yourself. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. there's w way more ways you can do it. I mean, some people like to learn um, combos. They'll watch like YouTube videos, and that just helps you with studying you, how how good you are at being able to process information and apply it. Um, there's some people who like to free ball things and like maybe they don't watch a video on how to play a deck They'll just jump in and start reading all the cards playing getting their uh, like hands-on experience Which is another way of learning us uh, because I'm one of those players. I don't like to necessarily watch long you know integrated uh, YouTube videos on how to combo I'd rather just kind of go in there figure out what the deck is doing myself by just reading all the cards and seeing how some interactions work and then from there maybe getting an idea of like how to make something a little bit better or change a, a, a factor in it or something like that percent um, I'm actually you know not so much anymore you know one of those persons that's gonna take the time uh, and you know read watch videos you know study anymore um in that sense because i don't as of right now the game is kind of stale for me um and i don't really want to play competitive as much not gonna agree not, you're not the only one either there's a bunch of people like people weren't even playing at ycs cancun because either they didn't like the format uh they didn't feel like playing or there were just other things better to do while they were down there you know so i can i can 100 percent agree yeah and um you know, with the the format changing and being in this section where we just had a ban list and people are still trying to figure it out, that's where I'm just having fun. No, I, I, I think that at the beginning of a format, whether it be a new set release, maybe a ban list to shake things up, you should play a deck that you're most familiar with. Maybe if it's not the strongest in the last format, just something that you're crazy intricate with like for example i used to play cyber dragons uh way back in the day it, even when there's like a ban list or something shakes up the format every couple weeks i might just go throw the cyber dragons in there and just play a, a deck that i'm very very familiar with and i know the interactions just to see what other people are playing and i think that that's actually really really good for certain people like people play decks like mech knight like uh mermail water a hand loop or whatever like those are all good decks that are usually come about between formats and pop their little head out just to see what's out there and uh still give you a chance to play but uh so do, do you think that um you enjoy formats where they're not solved did you enjoy formats where like everything is kind of solved you know exactly what you have to hit and whatnot or is it like better for you to kind of experience getting that uh knowledge i would say so I'm in, I'm in in between um, from the being an unsolved unsolved format. I don't like at all. Um, and the reason behind that is, you know, anything can win. You have to prepare for you know the most consistent decks. And then when you go to a solved format, there's only a couple targets. So yeah, I think the I think the fun is definitely in more unsolved, but there's a lot more. Um... I would say tediousness for it. You gotta like watch interactions, you're reading more cards, you don't really know what your opponent's doing uh, because th it's not really formatted yet. So there's definitely some uh, tug and pull as far as like solved and unsolved formats. I think I personally like unsolved formats because I personally like to go and be the one to find all that information out, get soak up as much as I can, and then form my own opinions, thoughts, and uh, tech cards. But I also agree that some people will just 
wait the first two weeks of a format, let maybe a big event come through, let the the big brains figure out what you know what's going on, what the best deck of the format is, let them pilot all these other decks, and then just pick one that you like uh, from like the pile of tops, maybe like the top 32 of like a YCS or an upcoming case tournament or something like that. You might go on YouTube, find a deck profile from an OTS championship that you might like, uh, and then like do it that way. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's the, you know, we have YCS Dortmund coming up and that's going to show a lot of p- people like, Hey, what's the top decks right now? In my, Cause we got a lot of people. Team. Yeah. We got, we got people thinking that decks like even tier limits can come back. Like I, I expect the tier limits to be playing, seeing play. Uh, I expect decks like rescue ace to start seeing a little bit more play with the importing of the new set age of overlord. Like there's a lot of things that can kind of add on to that. Um, that diversity to a format and it kind of does make things a little bit more of a mystery as for like what might be some of the top decks because like this is the time where you might see a deck uh similar to a couple years ago uh between formats after that big major hit and back in 2019 uh someone had taken grand maju to one of the ycs's and did well just because they knew it was a going second board break uh sort of format so he Going back to the deck, you know, we were referencing earlier, Grand Maju is just really good at breaking boards, putting up a big monster that just says, fuck whatever you have, because I'm going to swing for game right now, uh, and then doing things like that. So, like, decks like that is where I I see, like, the fun in finding a format or to figure out, you know? You see, and this is, like, how I argue with this, is, like, pin decks like, um, decks like that, was it just a meta call in that sense where you know the top decks were just not ready like were they not prepared was this guy prepared well because he assumed that you know one two three decks are going to be the top decks um in that sense and that's where i don't like unsolved formats just because anything can win yes but you're prepared to for certain decks and if you don't face those certain decks you just look like a dumbass. You're gonna have a bad time. It's <laughs> pretty much what it is. And it's like, and as of tier elements, I'm currently playing tier elements. They will never die. I'm gonna ride or die like the OCG. Yeah, until you're we, one of those guys. Until we get <laughs> Diabellstar. Diabellstar is, or Horus. Horus is actually pretty good with it, too. Horus is gonna be really good with it, yes. Yeah, so in that sense, it's when you go to unsolved formats is are they you can break it down are they lucky did they make the right call or did they scrub out no that's fair and that's the risky part of trying to figure out an unsolved format because you never really quite know you can know uh what, what's that line from um uh fucking samuel jackson there's uh, there's known knowns and then there's unknown unknowns you can't account for the unknown unknowns because you don't know about them <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> that's actually pretty funny <laughs> you just do it in the Samuel L. Jackson voice <laughs> god damn there's no knowns and then there's unknown unknowns <laughs> <laughs> oh man but, but I, I, I do find uns, I do find solving a format to be I think the most fun of it because once it's solved every, all the people come out and like they'll just regurgitate information that someone else has said or to someone who else who's quote unquote figured it out. But there's always just something that's really, really special to me when people kind of dive in and 
because change is i think by human nature isn't really always accepted like people don't like change they kind of like keep keeping things that the way they know are or familiar with but i think that this game is one of those games but because it's so fast paced because it's so in your face and uh like like very like high end that you need to have things like a ban list like core sets come and shake things up otherwise it will be at stale because people have figured it out for so long like i think another format that's kind of like that was toss format which was around for i think about two or three years and for those who don't know listening toss format is thunder dragon orcus sky striker salmon greats and they, those were like the four decks for that were like top tier for about a good two years and most people some people like those formats and like those decks within those formats but a lot of players i would say the majority grew uh tired or said that the format was stale because you still have the same four decks in top cut in in contention instead of having something new jump up in there like cyber dragons or whatever else was being played around that time as well yeah and you know some like when people play you know this game for so long you see so many decks and it's always tends to tends to be either you know there's one deck very rare there's one deck that's superior to everyone i mean we just had one which was tier elements uh and then you went into before that you know this top two decks you can even go the covid was at emancipator and eldritch correct yep and, then, and even still something like that like the COVID format was a little bit too long i think in my opinion as well just because not that there wasn't a lot of good product coming into the format like there were a bunch of imports which hella strong it allowed for a different kind of deck building where you could have a bunch of combo a one card starters and then follow it up with a bunch of mid-range trap cards that are going to recycle themselves and then you have uh, like decks like Adam Emancipator, which are just wombo combo, put up a crazy board. But there was no ban list for a very, very long extended amount of time. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, we had two major um, events come after the fact, and it was that was being the Extravaganza and then the first YCS after that. But for that time, we had a ban list come that just that didn't even hit Eldridge or um, or or, or Adam Emancipators at all. Like they because. Konami didn't think that, you know, there's no sanctioned play, so why go ahead and uh, deal with the ban list problems? But yeah, not even just uh, the the cards we have at our uh, not even just the cards we have at our disposal can influence a format. Sometimes it's just people getting bored, wanting to pick thing up new things, try out new decks. I mean, we got decks similar like uh, Unchained in this format that was another deck that most people weren't picking up on it wasn't really a flashy deck But some people figured it out thought that this was to be the best You know call for the meta you got decks like Rika is another example where they're very very strong They may not have the highest representation, but you can definitely tell someone went into uh, a lot of details with deck building with putting it lines of play together and stuff like that and I think that goes a long a long way in formats that are a little bit more stale when someone can, can find another deck out out the mud and play it out like that they're they're pretty much looking for in in my eyes this is what i see is everyone's looking for the most consistent deck uh in that sense you know you you can rank all these decks you know one through five and see what's the most consistent uh and that's how it becomes the best deck and that gives you the best optimal chances of winning and that's what a lot of these players do you know when they go to events they look for like in a, a format like this they're going for the most consistent deck you know you could you can bring flunder flunder's a great deck too 
to a, an event, but are you going to beat yourself? You know, in that sense. Correct. Unchained, are you going to break? Yeah. Unchained is just one of those decks that is still it's still new to figure out, um, but it's just so good at reoccursion that and it's consistent at it. And it you know, it doesn't make a great end board. It makes a consistent end board all the time. They're going to almost all the time. They're going to end on the same board. But their reoccursion for the next turn is just going to kill you. That's how they take advantage of the game. Similar to like Pearly. Pearly doesn't, it ends on their war. If you don't have the end of war, you know, you're going to lose that game because they're drawing either three, six, sometimes two or four. It all depends on how many sleepy they have under there. But that, they're going to kill you with slowly one by one. No, I, I can agree with that. I think that's a very, very important point. Consistency matters. It doesn't matter what your deck does. Let's just take Cash, for example. Cash was one of the strongest decks when it came out because the consistency for it was was there once Photon Hypernova came out. You have cards like Planet being able to search any Cash Terra monster. Unicorn, which can search any spell card, basically leading to your full combo. If I have Planet in hand, I just know I can go full combo. And that's like a consistent deck where I, you can put up, as you said, the same board every single time, regardless what you've played through, what you've drawn, yada, yada. And that's what goes into consistency. I don't think most people will go for a deck that has a lower consistency and a higher ceiling. I think most decks or most players go for maybe even a lower ceiling but a very very high consistency rate because it doesn't matter what you're trying to do at the end of the day you have to be able to do it nine out of ten games otherwise why even run it that's a great question i mean i'm in between um because you know it comes to back to what we said um you're gonna be able to adapt uh in that sense because these formats are constantly changing and you know one time you could be all hand trap heavy, the next time you're all board breaker heavy. It's a matter of an effect uh, in that sense. I mean, I know I've played decks where Cash Tira will has like mad hand traps like Droll and Lockbird, Shifter, cards like that. And then I know that there's even, for example, when me and you went to Nets, we had constructed Cash Tira to go hard second and we put a whole bunch of board breakers in and tried to crack a board that was already established with uh, some power spells and then use the cash engine to kind of clean up the house. The consistency I think was a little bit lower with the going second board breakers. I think I did find that way of playing a little bit more fun uh, rather than trying to droll or shifter ash imperm my opponent to death. Okay, so I don't prefer one, you know, either hand tap format or board breaker format um, because you know, it, it's constantly changing, and whatever the new deck, like the top deck is, everyone's trying to find a way to counter it uh, in that sense. Rather it be, you know, you can hand trap these in a certain situation, or some people can be like, this is their end board, let's break it. And this is how we break it, how many negates they put up. So it all depends, you know. Sometimes you gotta throw people a curveball, you know, go with the board breaking strategy, because if you know they're on thrust, you know, the hand trap, it's a dead card to them or you know if they're not on for us then you play the hand traps it's it all depends i could agree with that you know there's definitely uh times where i enjoy activating hand traps on my opponent's turn and then there's times where you know what i'll let you build whatever you you want you know go off king i got no hand traps do up do whatever you want to do and then afterwards i can sit there for a second with six cards in my hand and think more intricately on how to pick this board apart all right do i use this spell bait this negate all right now that makes talents live do i talents draw for two do i talents take a monster uh do i have uh 
birth or fenrir in hand or something like that to be able to play after you know i play all these spell cards like there's really different things that go into figuring out or solving your deck and i think that that's where it, uh, a lot of deck building and even meta calls come from uh but that's just me personally i, I think i might enjoy board breaker formats a little bit more i don't really like having to think about what you know my opponent has in hand or if they may have the called by or not to see, you know, if I only have one hand trap, if, odds more often than not, if I have one hand trap and I have one board breaker, the board breaker will do more in the long run. But there's times where a good place hand trap or a nicely timed Ash or Imperm can completely stop a person's turn and do just as much damage as a board breaker anyway. Yeah, and that's that's like the sacrifice that people have to make in the decision-making when it comes to deck building. That's where you sacrifice some of the consistency by slotting in, you know, nine board breakers compared to nine hand traps uh, in that sense. So, like you said, it goes to deck building uh, in that sense. And the deck building, you know, if you're going to sacrifice consistency for wins, I would do it 100% uh, in that sense. But, you know, you can steal games here and there. It all depends. It's what makes the game unique. That's what I think. No, I I, I agree. The, the, the game is definitely uh, unique for its own reasons, and this is the reason why. Like, there's times where hand traps are better, then there's times where one hand trap's not going to do shit, so I might as well break the board. And I think that it's a balance between going into each one of those formats that gives this game a little bit of life. So, how long do you think uh, it'll take until this current format gets solved, whether it be before the import of Age of Overlord or even afterwards? Age of Overlords will 100% uh, impact this format, and it will change it. And it, you, you'll see it right away. You won't see... I think uh, we have YCS Virginia is actually right before, or right after, right after Age of Overlords. So it's going to be right impacted right away uh, in that sense. We'll, we'll, we'll see it uh, format YCS uh, Richmond. All right. Do you think that you probably typically it takes about maybe two weeks after uh, an event for someone to kind of like figure out like what's going on with the format? Or do you think that it might even take longer than that? So when it comes to, you know, this question, it's when an event happens, people will look at the top top eight decks, like Chris said uh, in the previous episode. Shout out to Chris. Um, the top eight decks, you know, those are pe what people are looking for mostly. You know, they're not looking through 16 to 32. They're just like, oh, these are cool decks. I just don't want to play. But they look at the top eights. They see, you know, what's a consistent build, what worked for other people, and then they'll tweak it up a little bit. That's what essentially is what what happening nowadays is people are looking at the top decks. They're going to be like, okay, these are there. What nine cards can I adjust? You know, what hits certain different decks and, like, what's its weakest matchup? That's how people go into seeing it and that's how it solves the format a little bit no yeah i i think that it definitely takes some time usually the the top players are on a format from the conception even before let's just say before the ban list came out people were still trying to figure out uh what would the next sauce might be the next goo deck but then like when things like the ban list come when we have uh new imports for core sets and whatnot i think that it does it does take at least a couple weeks for people to be like all right look what what are people gonna be on because you can have a good deck that doesn't really convert like a good example would be last format branded was a really 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 strong deck although it took a certain pilots to be able to take it to the top 
the conversion rate for that deck was not very high, although the representation was high for it. So like that's another example of like maybe uh, a, a deck or a format where like, although you're, some people are playing this, like let's just say nine out of 10 players are playing this deck, uh, does it convert over into wins or tops? Like, uh, like how branded it was. Like a lot of good players can play it, but then when you go to a YCS or you want to bigger regionals and stuff like that, you wouldn't see that many people playing it in the top tables because maybe whether it be the pilot wasn't that good or the the hands were bad, whether the deck itself wasn't doing what it needed to at that point in time. But there's definitely a difference between, I think, representation for a deck and then the conversion rate for a deck. It's proving that it's can withstand its or can hold its own within the format itself. Yeah, and you know, with certain, like you even said, branded deck. It, it is a great deck, but its its end board is still the same, and it's it has one goal in mind. Most most of the time, it has one goal. It's and that's just fucking game of lock you. Puppet lock you. <laughs> if we don't puppet lock you, we're gonna kill you the next turn. Fine, sir. But if they don't puppet lock, that that deck literally dies to it, Ash. Uh, in that sense yeah so and that, and that's you can definitely see that every decks every deck usually plays ash so it's not like you're it's like all right well i lose the cash tira but you know there's only x amount of cash tira in this room uh every deck is going to have an ash blossom in it so you can play any deck it doesn't matter what it is if they have that ash blossom and they see it you're not having a good time so it doesn't really matter even what deck you're going against it's just what hand traps they're playing and if they they saw the out for you yeah, you know they make cards like Thrust. You know that's what helps branded fusion. I mean, gives them no repercussion by activating. Oh, you have Ash here. Here, I got Thrust now. I can do it all on your turn. And that's what it sucks, but it's part of the game, as we say. <laughs> no, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think will be coming out on top for this format, whether it be before Age of Overlord or after it gets imported in? Anything with Diabellstar in it. One more time? Anything with Diabellstar. So you think that it's going to be the top deck or the top engine, I should say, period? 100%. Diabellstar is a... Have you read her? <laughs> Look at have you read Misk? Have you read Diabellstar? <laughs> so do you compare it kind of like how when the Adventure Engine came out into the OCG, it was kind of splashed into everything and trying to make it work or do you think that it, there's already certain decks that have it ready to go and that know that all right i'm playing dia bellstar in my deck moving forward for example uh rescue ace is definitely going to play the dia bellstar engine because it helps get to the fire uh cards such as um hydrant preventer stuff like that she's going to be splat like that engine will be splashed uh like the adventure engine uh in that sense maybe even together hmm do you think that uh, Horus will be able to give it a run for its bunny, or do you think far and away Diabellstar is going to be the best engine, almost similar to how Fenrir was for Kashtira, where it's splashable in almost everything? I think Diabellstar will be splashable in almost everything, because um, it doesn't lock you, I'm, I'm pretty sure, if I read nope. it correctly. It does it not lock you. Um, I didn't read off most of the Horuses, I know it does a lot, but uh, 100% Diabellstar, I'm going with. Yeah, Horus is basically just a rank eight spam deck. So as, as 
that is one of those decks where it's like it's only as good as the toolbox you're able to access not saying that rank eights don't have bad access they have cards like the uh Draglubian that can go ahead and put up a monster sorry a spell negate as well as uh otk by putting up 9k on the board and then you got cards like um hope harbinger uh dingirsu for trying to break boards things like the photon lord for monster negates like it, it'll only be as good as the toolbox is able to bring out but the more rank eights that they make i think that horse has a good shot at at least a contending with that top spot in upcoming formats just due to the fact that it's it's one of those decks where it allows you to get to a certain pool of cards and as long as that pool of cards is strong uh for example zodiac was a uh, another deck that kind of like put fours onto the field that can you know rank four spam so as as long as there's good rank fours in the game that that deck will always be you know somewhat usable or at least engines like that will be always usable but i definitely think that horus has a good shot at becoming one of the top tier decks for the format just because of the access to the rank eight pool yeah i mean i i will find out what it does you know fully and what their end goal is um and then break the board one way or another yeah all you gotta do is the xyz encore or the dimensional barrier them you'll be fine <laughs> yeah more or less i think i would agree with that yeah and then uh one of the last questions before we uh start to wrap up i don't want to take up too much of your time today uh just as a out of curiosity just while we got the local people listening and, and even people who aren't uh local to syracuse but kind of want to get a little bit of a peek onto our local scene who do you think your favorite local player is to go against and why whether it be just because you enjoy going against them or you just like that they play meta decks or you it's someone like matt pelletier who's just really technical you can kind of pick up a, a thing or two by playing them like is there anyone that's your favorite local player to kind of go against ben burials <laughs> ben burials we got you <laughs> i had to see that Oh, <laughs> in the Squiggy's voice. He's a Ben Barrios. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I do. Sense. I do enjoy that uh, having our, our my matches with Ben. I think that he uh, he definitely makes things interesting for the very least. He's always playing something wild and out there, and doing something that's even more out there or, or crazy. So <laughs> I could definitely see why your games against him are uh, so fun. <laughs> serious, serious, uh, serious answer. Um, I actually don't mind playing anyone, you know, because it's rather you you learn something from everyone, and this is why it doesn't bother me, you know, whether it be Matt up uh, here was more technical, Albert who's you know a rising star in the community, um, whether it be you one of the rogue Matt, one of the rogue masters, Dino. Devon over there, Josh, who knows what the fuck he's playing, uh, Hickman with his heroes. Um, it just, you, yeah, you, pick up on, you pick up on everything, rather not be learning from the player itself, you're learning about their deck and what they're trying to do. Um, and that's where I, I prefer learning, you know, about the decks more, because, you know, that's where you essentially can have an advantage over the deck. Uh, one, though, just a quick story, one time, uh, the OTS top four, I had to play against Earth Machines, and I knew exactly card for card what they did because of one player here um, <laughs> in our local scene. 
shout out to X. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Earth Machines, baby. Machina limiter removal. Up, 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 up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, I, I agree. Yeah. You can go. That, that's why, you know, I like playing against everyone uh, in that sense. You know, everyone, community is great. And that's why I like playing. And that's why I still play until this day. Yeah. I mean, I think the cool part, too, I, I also hear from, you know, and I know it's solidified because I hear from outside Syracusians as well. But here in Syracuse, as as much as we we might be used to each other in our decks and whatever, we might all think we're of like a lower caliber or like more of a rogue status. Our locals is, in my opinion, one of the most well-rounded locals we have, or or even being a part of. We have players who like playing rogue decks. We like players who like playing casual decks. We have players who like playing competitive decks and we'll play the top tier decks of the format. Uh, and not only that, but the pilots are also pretty good too. We got people, I, I shout them out a lot, Daryl Ruper, uh, Billy Cronk, so shout outs to them for you know tuning in and listening and being a part of our locals as well. People who may not be the first on the list of most competitive, but people who want to be competitive and want to learn more. And I think that having players like that around that we can all grow from and at least uh, put like a stepping stones towards uh, it definitely helps with the bettering of our locals as a whole. Like you're, I, you're only as bad as your worst player. So if your worst player is mids, then obviously you know you're gonna be going against like the mids player. But if your lowest player is a high tiered player, then you're gonna be in for it and you're gonna learn a lot compared to um, if you're playing against, I would say someone who's not as experienced and then you kind of mollywop them and there's nothing you really learned or walked away from uh, as far as anything new. Uh, but when you start playing players like um, even Trent, our, from our moderator, like you, I think you gave a couple, a couple good ones, with uh, whether it be Josh or Devon, uh, even Austin, another good player who just knows their decks in and out, whether they're playing local, or sorry, whether they're playing rogue or meta. Those are players, I think we get uh, more of, an, of our quote unquote average players uh, up there in skill level. We, because the comparative, like, let's say we take take the Syracuse locals and we compare it to something like a Rochester locals, where the average Cuse player will probably do better than the average Rochester player. That's what I'm kind of like talking about. We got people like Daryl Rupert who can walk in there and get, you know, top 32 at a regional over there, and he may not be the most competitive local player, but he can still do work when it matters. And I think that's really, really critical and key uh, as far as like determining whether your locals is competitive or not yeah and, and that's where you know anyone locally if they want to get better that's who i like helping you know in that sense you know austin she's been doing really good uh and she's almost there to top i know she's she's coming yeah. soon. she bubbled uh, a couple times but that just shows that she's getting there yeah but when she first started out she wasn't that great, and you know, then she's getting better and better every time. Now, topping locals, now she's bubbling. Yeah, she was time. a buy. She, she, she was. She was free. Shit wasn't anything. Daryl was another one. You know, he didn't start out the, the greatest, but now look at him. He popped his regional. He got his invite. I talked to Daryl yesterday about this. I was like, Hey, Daryl, you got your invite? He's like, Yeah. I was like, Oh, cool. You're coming to Nats with us next year. Um, so shout out to him. And everyone, you know, they want to get better. That's who, essentially, I like playing against, you. It's people that want to get better. You know, they, they take that loss or take that win, but they learn something in the end of the time, at the end of the time. 
and I can stand by that statement 100%. I do agree with that. Like, I do love our local scene. So shout out to any of the local guys listening. Uh, you guys are the reason not only that I do this podcast, but I actually keep going to locals and even play the game itself is to make sure that I'm on par, if not better than, you know, my local scene. So, and the better we can get as a whole, the better we can get individually. And then the more we can spread the awareness of, you know, Q's crew to other people in other locations. So. 100 that one but with that being said guys i think we're gonna start running out of life points here i just want to remind everyone to go down to that description box below click that link tree link follow all of those sites be whether whether it be facebook whether it be youtube whether it be igx it doesn't matter go down there and click all of those tabs and follow subscribe like every single thing you see also be aware that we're giving away another uh surprise giveaway for you guys another raffle when we hit 50 followers on x and, and tiktok and then when we hit 100 followers or subscribers on youtube and instagram also be sure while you're down there to go to the discord server for unplugged gaming they're located out in manliest new york they always are showing love sponsoring the podcast and uh, contributing to the giveaways that we have so go join their discord server in the description box below and be a part of their tcg communities and then one last reminder guys go catch brad mr perfect uh, representing the semi-limited podcast on the Twitch world every Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's on the East Coast of the Americas. Uh, just make sure if you're not in the East Coast that you check your time zone, make sure it matches up. So go be a part of that and be sure that make sure that you stand out because everything that happens on stream, he makes sure to tell us in our Friday night wrap up. And then once again, another thanks for our uh, local guest, uh, Jake Curtis, for coming out and being a part of the podcast. Is there any final thoughts or shout outs or anything like that? Shout out to the local Syracuse community. Shout out to the boys down in New York City. <laughs> yeah, uh, the boys are squids. The boys down there, Mel. <laughs> Mel, Georgie, I know you're listening down there. You guys have a great chance. <laughs> Yeah, just dumb because uh, Kevin loses to Exodia and, and Joe's a troll, so. Shout out to all of them, Yeah, so also, also be sure, I'll, I'll probably link it down below uh, to go check out our brother-sister podcast, Heart of the Podcast. They're another TCG Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, podcast that is based out of New York City in New York. And they actually, if anyone remembers, got us into our start. So be sure to go check out their YouTube or their Spotify where you can go catch a bunch of their episodes. They've been on our podcast a couple times. I've definitely been on theirs a few times. And we'll probably have them back on soon at some point in time. Uh, but, before, but with all that being said, guys, because we are all out of life points, I just want to say thank you all for listening and tuning in and catching all the hub, the sorry, the hubbub as far as what's going on in the community as well. Uh, with that being said, I am Player X, and you've been listening to the Semi Limited Podcast. Thank you and good night. <laughs>